All right, welcome back everybody to the Exploring Growth Podcast. Today I've got Brooks Sevchek with me today from yardstick.com and and I'm excited to have him here. Um, how he got here was through um, a mutual connection, Dan Sanchez. I've mentioned Dan's name on this podcast. Seems like every single time I, I, I get on here, there's some kind of story I've had with, you know, talking with him on LinkedIn or, or I, having him on here. We had such a great conversation. So now we're here with Brooks. I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to go through some of the stuff we've got planned and, and to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lee. Yeah, sure. It's great. I'm excited about talking about um, this topic today. So what we're going to do is kind of drive towards demand gen like and branding as our, you know, that's where we want to end up and kind of settle on that. But to kind of tee that up, we were talking a little bit before we hit record. And, you know, we both agree that, you know, lead gen has been this thing that we've used for a number of years. And it's been, been sort of the redhead stepchild. It's been beat up a little bit and, you know, for, for good measure, I mean, I think Legion has still has its place depending on where, what kind of company, what kind of product you have um, in, in the marketing strategy. Uh, but for the most part, marketers today are moving away from Legion and they're moving to a more relationship based uh, marketing approach. And it, what that is, is demand gen, which can also be described as branding. I think some people in certain um, kind of niches, we'll, we'll pull those apart and, and, and say branding is one thing and demand gen is another. But for all intents and purposes, talking generally here, um, you know, go getting away from getting um, ebook downloads, right? It's the best way to kind of summarize that <laughs> and getting more to building a sort of, um, I would say superficial, but some, but much more genuine or authentic relationship with your audience um, so that they see you as credible. They see you as this um, brand or this you know expert that whenever they do have a problem, it just makes perfect sense that they would reach out to, to you to solve it. So, um, so let's do this first. Why don't we kind of just touch on, you know, um, like what was what made the shift for you from from going from lead gen to demand gen um and maybe talk a little bit about you know why did you make that shift um and when when did that happen and then we'll kind of yeah. you know work towards towards the demand gen topic yeah sounds good you know and your when, when your thoughts on brand there are spot on demand is a a part of brand if you think um, what it what it means to have a strong brand, some people think it's just that you're a brand identity, but I think mm -hmm. it goes a lot deeper into what you believe, the problems you solve, mm -hmm. and who you solve them for. And that's really what demand gen is, yes. at least good demand gen. Um, so the the thing that made a difference for me, I was a marketer, uh, I was in charge of marketing for a small university, really into the lead gen model and running the the lead gen hamster wheel. We mm -hmm. all kind of know how it, how it goes, and I think. B2B was probably the first to really move to a demand gen, demand gen model. Mm -hmm. And we started to implement that. Again, to mention Dan Sanchez, it was his uh, his idea. I kind of came after him in the university and, and he got the ideas rolling with that. And the thing that changed my mind was that I started to understand we had a problem with Legion every single year hitting right. our numbers. And the problem was that we had a really small market, incredibly niche college, and we were eating up so much of that market. And so we started to build this demand gen engine within our uh, our school. And it 
was really heavily reliant on, on content. So the school was a missionary training school. And we thought we need to, instead of just trying to grab people who are wanting to be missionaries through advertising, which is what we were doing to, to get leads is incredibly expensive mm -hmm. and getting more expensive every year, getting more difficult every year as we also could tell just through data, through studies um, that less and less people were interested in that kind of thing. We said we need to take the offensive and we need to help people understand the importance of missions. We need to help people mature in their faith and we need to be the school that um, has that kind of influence. So mm -hmm. if you think like the essence of marketing is influence and for a long time, marketers were able to get away with having a really crappy amount of influence and just putting ads on Facebook or Google or whatever it might be mm -hmm. um, and running for a, you know, a white paper or, or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's not really any kind of influence. That's just picking people off one by one. And so we started to build up this, this engine that had an actual influence on people. And we were able to measure people's maturity and their problem and solution awareness for what our school offered. So over the two years that I was in charge of marketing there, the website that we had built, we built a media brand within the within the school. The website that we built moved from, I think it was like 8,000 monthly visits when I got there to over 600,000 when I left. That made an incredible difference on, even if you just want to look purely at lead gen numbers, mm -hmm. which I want to measure things by the what happens at the bottom of the funnel, not at the top. But sure. even if you just look at those lead gen numbers, we replaced all of our paid advertising leads with organic inbound leads that were a higher quality. And that's because we played the long game. We did the work. Now in that time, I saw what it meant internally to have to fight for a demand gen model because it's a lot of upfront work with not very much upfront results. It mm -hmm. takes time to build. You just got to keep saying the results will come. The results will come. It's going to take these repeated actions over and over again for us to actually have influence because you can't, have someone trust you the next day. Right. And that's that's what you have to build. So I saw the results for that. It was it was a hard fought battle to be able to to do it and um and made a bet and it paid off in the end. And so that was the biggest thing for me. It's I actually genuinely got to see it even before Chris Walker and Refine Labs started doing a really good job at promoting demand gen. Mm -hmm. We just happened to be doing it before we even knew what it was called. And it made a world of difference for, for us. So that's re what really changed my mind. And then I start to get on LinkedIn and listen to podcasts as I, I always do and start to realize there's categories around the thing that we just did mm -hmm. and, and we've, there's words for it. And so that's, that's kind of yeah. how we ended up in the demand gen space. That's great. So that's a great story. And I think such a good example. I appreciate that. Um, if we look at that story, that timeline, um, when you went from seeing a need to change to what were what you would now call demand, demand gen at the time, you're you know like we're just going to move to more influence. Um, did you stair step that towards more influence, where you kind of ramped up your influence type of tactics and ramped down your gen, uh, you know um, lead gen tactics, or did you just say okay we're going to throw that out and and try this? Well, lead gen was ramping down no matter what we did. Things okay. were getting more expensive. And so that was the problem is that every year we'd be in the same space going, we're just, we've just got a little bit of a gap between where we need to be and where we're at with lead gen. Yeah. Um, and what we did at that school, we went all in on one area. We went all in on building uh, SEO 
and acquiring traffic that way. Mm -hmm. So now, now in my new role, we're, we're going very different than it was SEO. Now we're going with social, with podcasting, Mm -hmm. um, with community building, stuff like that. So there's a lot of different avenues you can go with building that community. But, um, when we were building that media brand at the school, like I said, we went all in on blogging. So of course that's gradually building up the amount of blogs and mm-hmm. uh, keywords that we're winning mm-hmm. that answer specific questions. And then the second thing that we did that was the biggest step for us, if we're talking about stair steps, is we started to capture some of that demand and help to nurture people through greater. So we, based on the articles that they were reading, the kind of things they were interested in on the website, we said they're probably about this space they care about this kind of topic this is the kind of thing they're looking into mm-hmm. so we built quizzes to help figure out a little bit better what kind of content was best to deliver for them so it's really uh, stuff that quizzes that would be fun for them to take like where am i in my discipleship journey or things yeah. like, things of that nature and then based on that we're like okay so they've kind of got a weakness in their understanding of theology proper but they've yeah. got really good understanding of the need for evangelism or you know might so they sort of raise be. their hand uh, to kind of identify where they are on that journey i guess exactly yeah. exactly and so based on that they got a really fun result and then we were able to give them content that we've tested with each different kind of mm-hmm. audience and we know this is what not only what they're going to want to consume yeah. but this is what they need to hear to move to the next step yeah, over great. a repeat so you know 15 articles and emails later yeah, and they've kind of, we can see they're, they're engaging and they've got a better understanding of this. Now is the time for us to keep moving them up, you know? Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, you have to have spent a lot of time with what I'll call your buyers, right? Um, you have to spend a lot of time with them getting feedback and listening in order to be that dialed in. I mean, and it sounds like a very dynamic approach where if they end up with th- these answers on this quiz, they're going down this, this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we did, I did a lot of surveys, which I've since come to think it's, it's actually a lot better to have quantitative data, qualitative data, I mean, and really talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, The good thing with that was we had a college of students that were right in our market, and there were the kinds of people that would be reading that stuff. And so um, every time we'd get new students in on campus, every time I could, I'd be sitting down and talking with them. Yeah. Um, And the other good thing was, the team that I had at the time was staffed primarily by students at the college. And so they were the people who would kind of, they, they were the ones who would understand where this is. So I'd, I would uh, get them together and talk with them through the changes that we were making, the quizzes, things like that, have Mm -hmm. them test it out and read through the content, get their ideas on it. That was really helpful at the time. I I probably undervalued getting on a a zoom call and talking with the people that were actually engaging on the website. Mm -hmm. And I'd go back and change that if I could, but. Yeah, no, you know, all of this really is, um, sounds very similar to, um, someone I follow on LinkedIn, Alice DeCourcy at Cognizum. You're probably familiar with her. I'm reading her book at the moment. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention. The the diary of a first time CMO. And I have it, yeah, I have it right over there, actually. Yeah. So I, I didn't read the book. I, I went to the podcast. Well, not the podcast, but the audio version of it on Spotify, just because mm-hmm. I didn't want to wait to read it. I want to just go ahead and start, you know, jumping in. So I listened to it. Um, I think I've listened to it all the way through. And now I'm kind of going back through and listening to some specific chapters. But she talks about her. Obviously, this is the, the diary. Like, this is her journey of doing exactly what you did. And it's funny to hear your story, you know, um, coming from 
a similar role is these are different organizations, right? Similar role and, and, and experimenting with very similar uh, strategies. Um, I don't know how far you've gotten in the book, but do you see the parallel there? I mean, I think that she's, she's basically saying the same thing that you're saying now. Yes, surely. I'm probably only like 15%. I just got the book a week ago, but I have been reading it. Uh, And I, I certainly see the parallels between it. I I would say she's, she's probably a a bit ahead of me in most areas, but, but yeah, I've been really uh, loving reading that book. It helps me to kind of think through also like, where am I at now? She's probably encountered a lot of the issues that Mm -hmm. I'm currently trying to, to, to get through. So. Yeah. Because, you know, switching over from a lead gen uh, model to a demand gen or branding, you your team changes, your approach changes, how you ask for money from finance changes, you know the metrics you're measuring completely change, and um, you know I, I think it's um I think it's interesting. If anybody, um, I'll try to leave a link in the description. If anybody wants to check out that book, um, I thought it was it was awesome. I mean, it's I love getting an insight into uh, what I would call more of an operational CMO. As someone who's in there, you know, doesn't have a problem picking up the phone and talking to the buyer, talking to prospects, yes. like you were just saying. I think that's so invaluable to spend that that time where you may want to go back to the whiteboard and and kind of, you know, work on high level stuff when you can really get the answer talking to to the end user. Mm-hmm. So let's try, let's sort of like move over into to you know branding and demand gen. You know, we were talking before we got on here about some of that. Um, maybe give some examples of what, how you've seen that work and like, how are you utilizing that right now? Like, you know, this audience who's listening to this are going to be CEOs and lead marketers of mid-level companies. So, you know, they have a small marketing team as they're building, they're building a brand. Um, they may have a sales team that's supporting a lot of the revenue and now they're being asked to to carry some of the revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're kind of all, all sides of the spectrum. So, you know, maybe speaking to, to, to that audience on this topic would be, would be helpful. Yeah. You know, I remember um, previous times sitting with president of the organization and he's saying there are, there are schools winning right now. How are they winning? Cause we're like the industry's in decline. The industry's in decline. Mm-hmm. How are some schools doing really well? Mm-hmm. And you move, I've moved on in my career, I'm a, you know, in a, I'm a B2B marketer and a SaaS marketer now, and it's the same story. Industries in decline. Some companies are winning. How are they winning? That's the question. If you're a CEO, that's probably the kind of question you want to be asking is how are some people winning right now? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. And those companies that are winning, it's, it's nine out of 10 times brand. Mm-hmm. They're winning because people know and trust them already. If you did a case study and looked at those brands that are really winning right now, you would, you would realize that not every time, nine out of 10 times they're winning because they have organic or direct source inbound. That's, that's where things are coming from. Mm -hmm. And that that's like the middle of the funnel thing. When we're talking about inbound behind all of that is they've done the work to make people problem and solution aware to make people trust them and Mm -hmm. understand that they're credible and to be memorable and to be influential on their audience. And a lot of times that's not just talking about the thing like problem and solution aware to me, that's demand gen is kind of middle of the funnel. Yeah. You have to step one step above and think audience growth. That's right. You can't just come in and start talking about this is the problem. This is how we fix it. This is the problem. This is how we fix it. I mean, that'd be a good step for a lot of companies that aren't even doing that now, but you also need to go a little bit higher, build an audience of people that trust you, build a community. 
And, uh, and so that's, that would be my advice to CEOs is if you're thinking, why are we not winning? And I want to pour a ton of money into lead gen, maybe step back and think it's, it's going to be hard to get out of this rut right now. And you're going to have to do a lot of hard work mm -hmm. and this might take some time, but if, if that's the case now, do it now, invest in brand now, invest in building brand. And I think it's important to talk about what brand is, because when I say that, I'm not talking about like this ethereal idea of brand consistency where everything looks the same across mm -hmm. platforms or whatever. I, I don't, that's not what I mean by brand. What I mean by brand is that you have really strongly held beliefs as a brand. Mm -hmm. you, you've identified who your enemies are. You've developed some sort of IP and you're the champion. You're the thought leader for that. And to do that, you have to identify who your audience is. And it, it, there's a there's a huge model that you have to follow to build a great brand, and it's a lot more than just how you look. And now's the time to start building out that influence. I think. Yeah, that's all really well said, and, and I think all 100% true. I think you said it a little bit back. The de good delineation between demand gen and and brand is to think about the problem solution on the demand gen side, but as you step back into branding, it's really more thinking about the person that has the problem, right? Um, and humanizing your messaging. Um, but the only way you can do that is if you know that buyer, if you know what it is that they're, if you know the the context in which the problem uh, is set is set forth. Um, you know, that's that's the way I always, I always try to think about it. And I couldn't agree more. I've worked with so many clients where We'll literally just say, okay, before we put together any kind of legitimate strategy, the first thing we want to do is get in front of people, and and we've done it in every different way: surveys to to you know coffees to dinners, whatever. But you know, when you sit across the table from someone in person, at and this can happen a lot of times just for practical um, you know reasons, like you can go to a conference and invite three or four people to to dinner. You sit across the table from them. And you have a good solid hour and a half, two hours, three hours to just sit there, enjoy some really good food and get to know the person, you know, you're going to, you're, they're going to reveal everything it is that you need to know. It's just, it just happens. They, and in fact, they tell you usually too much. Um, and you, you know, as long as you're making notes in your mind or on a paper and you're, you're going back and digesting and saying, I can't believe that they are coming at it that way. I didn't know that this was the problem they're trying to solve internally and why they even have the problem that they have to solve with me. So if you are doing that, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it seems like that's the hard work that has to be done. And then translating that to marketing strategy and marketing efforts is the next piece. Um, if you're doing that, then you're going to win on brand because it's going to reveal itself and you're going to have to do something with it. You're going to have to either say, eh, we're just not really going to do anything with what we learned. We're just going to keep doing what we've always done. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's something there. And maybe if we were to speak to that, um, then the story about our vision, the story about our uniqueness is, is going to be much more relatable because we're taught we're speaking their language. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of good ways to get in front of people and have those kinds of conversations. I thought maybe I'd just add on two more that I've found super helpful these last probably probably about a year. The first is I have been recording podcasts with people who are directly in our ICP. They're people that I whose opinions I care about and that are probably the kind of people who would buy from us. And afterward, I always take them through a post interview where it's just a conversation 
and I'm asking them, what is the biggest problem that you're facing? That's a strong What one. is important Very to strong. you? Um, and, and I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm digging for things that help me to know how to hone in my content better. Mm-hmm. So I'm, what's actually resonating with people and what's not. And I'm getting ideas for things to try. A lot of figuring out what people care about, mm-hmm. what beliefs you need to represent is just trial and error. That's right. I think. Um, oh, and the second thing is you, if you are leading a business, you want to understand who the problems people are facing that you need to solve, go to social media and interact with them. You wouldn't believe the insights that you could get just by reading the LinkedIn posts so of, the, of the founders, CEOs that you're trying to serve or whoever they might be, you know, what, whoever the, the yeah. owner is that you're trying to get to go, go read their stuff and interact with them, have conversations. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe the insights you could get from that. So th- those are two places. If you're doing something like a podcast or you're regularly talking to or interviewing those people, just say, Hey, would you have five minutes for a quick like interview of some sort and just rapid fire? Give me your thoughts on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Who are you listening to? What are the problems that you care about right yeah. now? Kind of, so we developed that out, tested the questions over time also to figure out what gives me the best sure. insights. Um, and then I would also add, you kind of have to know how to sift through the things that people say. Some people are going to be incredibly comp. They, they're going to give you the things that you they think you want to hear. That's just human nature. You have to find the people who are going to give you critique and mm-hmm. be honest with you. And who are trustworthy and also just go back to those people keep getting insights from them keep asking them for their thoughts because those are the people that are going to give you the stuff that's going to really help you it's like i know i I take ideas to people for what if we start talking about this what if we what if we really built a model around this and they're the founder ceos we want to talk to and they're like that's that's awesome i love it this is a good idea and roll it out no one cares but then I think back to the people who are like, you know, that that might not resonate. That might get people excited. It might not actually resonate in the end because of X, Y, or Z. Those were the people that I needed to go back to the second time yes. and ask them again. Yeah. Okay, what do you think about this site? Because those were the people that, that told me the truth. Uh-huh. And um, so that just a few things that, that came off of what you said there. Yeah, and I think, you know, whoever's doing this on your marketing team, they they have to have this sort of sixth sense uh, skill set, I think. I mean, if you really dig into this. Because you have to be reading between the lines a lot of the time when people are giving you answers. Um, they're only telling, they're only giving you the best answer that they can give you. You know, right. they're they're being truthful. They're, I think people are going to be completely honest with you as far as they can. But um, you have to be able to read between the lines and and see what's what's really what are they really saying, and and then be able to sort of aggregate that qualitative uh, those qualitative thoughts. Um, to see patterns, you know, mm-hmm. to see a pattern between, okay, here's what we think they're all really saying, or it's, or it may be a directly very obvious, and that connects in this way. Um, I think that's a real skill set, you know, for sure, for sure. You know, there's we've mentioned Alice DeCourcy and Dan Sanchez. I would also throw in Ryan Paul Gibson. Okay. I, if you're going to go follow him on LinkedIn, his big thing is how to conduct good customer interviews. Oh yeah, and. There was a time probably about two years ago, I went through everything, like his last 100 LinkedIn posts and just took notes on them. And that was incredibly helpful for me. Yeah. Um, so I'd definitely go through and just look look through the stuff he's putting out. It's super helpful. You know, there's an example that I'm trying to remember where it came from. It may have come from the book, The Mom Test, or it may have yeah. just come from a friend of mine. I'm not actually sure yeah. where, if I'm remembering correctly, where this came from. But there was a, a survey. They were trying to figure out what color a book 
cover should be. Mm -hmm. So they asked everyone, pick the color you think looks best for this book cover. And then they asked them at the end, we're going to tell them, we're going to send you a free copy of the book. What color would you like? It was overwhelmingly yellow or orange. I actually think it was orange, orange yeah. on what people said the book cover should be. And then overwhelmingly black, they chose for their own copy. Interesting. So they, they chose two different colors because their mindset was different. The yeah. first time they're answering what, what would be best. And the second time they're answering, What's what do I want? Me? Right. Yeah. And, you're like, well, you're the person we care about, yeah. so you should have probably answered black. So it comes that you have to, it's answering, asking really good questions and, um, and also just looking at what people inter are interacting with. That's the other thing. If you're, if you're trying to figure out what's resonating, just look at the statistics behind your engagement on social or whatever platforms that you're, you're putting content on. Yeah. That'll tell you a lot about what people want to hear as well. Yeah. You know, and I don't want it to be missed. You, you, you mentioned um, just going to LinkedIn and, and looking at uh, buyers and influencers and just reading the comments. Um, that's a huge one. I mean, it's, it, all it takes is I think that skill set to see, to see patterns, you know, read between lines and just sit there and give it the time. Um, mm -hmm. And I really think that that is a, a huge way to learn. Even if, if you're, let's say you're, right now thinking, okay, this is not working for me. We got to go try something else. Well, go spend a bunch of time in the comments section and just dedicate that time to reading and learning and making notes. You're going to come, come away with a lot of really good insights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. In fact, you might come away with some things that challenge you so much that you realize like, oh, wow, we have a lot of work to do here. And I don't yeah. really want to go back to the comments section because I, you know, it's too much truth going on in there. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen that a lot of times with, with content that I was creating, launched a podcast eight months ago or so mm -hmm. and realized really quickly, I'm looking at what everyone else is engaging on. There's one particular topic that all of these people are engaging with more than any other. And we weren't covering it at all. So you start to talk about it yeah, and people, people wanted to hear it. There's even at, um, at Yardstick, we were testing, trying to figure out how to phrase this category that we feel like we're creating mm -hmm. and start talking to customers of ours and then talking with them about that category. And they, they don't understand our terminology at all. And so we're like, okay, that's not going to work if they don't even have a little bit of understanding. On, and so we, we have to go back to the drawing board and, and rephrase it, which we did. And now we take this new phrasing back to them. And they're like, this is the way this is a lot better. Yeah. They understood it. That's great. And, and I, I think that uh, opens up an opportunity for you to start building IP around it, uniquenesses around it and um, long tail or short term, short, short tail SEO, but long tail eventually uh, to be found for those phrasings, for those um, titles. Isn't that right? I mean, that's kind of full yeah. circle back to what we were saying before. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say it's important to have IP and um, and then to have that problem solution aware, uh, content that, that helps people to go deeper with what you, what you mm -hmm. offer. What else can we say about brand at this point? I mean, is there anything else that we, that we, we missed that you really want people to know? You know, there is a model that Dan put together of a 20 point, it's like a 20 point brand checklist okay. for, uh, what you need to have to have a solid brand. Mm -hmm. And maybe it would be just best to link that in the show notes. Okay. That is something that people should really go and look at. Cause I think you're going to look at that and be like, I thought brand was two out of these 20 things. <laughs> um, and 
and start to build out brand based on that. The the thing that I would say for brand to invest in brand is that it is the most resilient growth mechanism that you could have. Um, and it's also the most scalable. So the, the tactics that you use to grow that are not brand, mm-hmm. that are not organic or direct, those things are really hard to scale at some point. You kind of hit a wall with them. And it's not to say you should never do them at all, uh, but that you have to invest in brand early on if you want to get past that wall. Yeah. So brand is going to be resilient throughout an economic do- downturn. Brand is going to be resilient when you start to hit a wall. And it, brand is the only thing that's going to be able to scale. The, when you have the typical lead gen model, growth is one-to-one. It's however much work I can do mm-hmm. on ads or outreach or whatever it might be. Brand is not one-to-one. Brand, it, brand is, is exponentially scalable over time. Yes. It definitely takes on a network effect. And I, I think to the point of it being um, providing sustainability and scalability, I think that's the most strategic thing that you can do, which is why you should start with it first and start building it alongside everything else you're doing. Because everything you do with brand can be deployed against your buyer in a ta- other tactical ways um, all the way through the sales pipeline. Yes. Um, so there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot you can do with it. Yeah. And you know, the essence of it is do people have affinity for you? Do they care about you? Do they love your brand? Mm -hmm. People, some people get a little bit, they don't like those terms. Like I'm a brand and people aren't going to love me. It's Mm -hmm. not true. People do love brands. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're going to solve their issues, that's, that's what it comes down to. Do they care about you? Do they like you? Um, That's right. I like the word affinity for that. You know, it's like, it's and what that creates is just this word of mouth, which is mm-hmm. still the best way to grow possible. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, I think it was from 2008, Gary Vaynerchuk was giving a keynote speech at, I don't remember where it was, somewhere in New York. It's horrible audio. And he said, you don't realize it, but word of mouth is changing right now. And he was like, two years ago, the most someone could do is talk to their friends about you every once in a while. They may tell like four or five people. He was like, now you, some random dude in the middle of nowhere could tell 4,000 people about you in five seconds. That's right. Just by tweeting. Right. They could, they could send you to their whole company, like the whole company via Slack or whatever it might be just engaging with your content. Word of mouth has changed incredibly. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity there and, and, and I would you don't generate to, word of mouth by, by lead gen. No, it's true. But I, I would add to that if that happens or when that happens, um, the impact is so great. If you've done the work on the front end to really know who those 4,000 buyers are, or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. even if it's a, a bigger audience, a, a total, you know, addressable market so that, when your message is re- is shared, referred, it is compelling. So, yeah. you know, being able to do the work is why they would share it and is why it would be received by who was shared too. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, this is great. Well, um, hey, I've enjoyed this conversation. We should probably do it again. Um, but uh, we're, we're getting kind of like a uh, little past the 30 minute mark. I like to keep everything right around 30 minutes. And um you know, uh, what we'll do is we'll link, um, of course, Yardstick, your LinkedIn. Uh, I'm going to link that book from um, Alice and Dan's 
uh, brand checklist. We'll link that down there. Anything else we need to to put down in the show notes for people to find you? Uh, I don't think so. That'd be great. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. It's, it's been a great conversation and uh, we should definitely do this again. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, Lee. All right. Thanks.